Happy Father's Day to God. I, don't, I know we don't look at sometimes, but he's pretty great. Man, are you happy to be in church today? Come on, say amen, Venue Church. I'm so happy to be here. Um, next week, we have uh, a baptism service coming up. So baptized. And this is like, I think this is like our gift to God, Venue Church, is when we bring people in to come and get baptized and go public with their faith. It's like a public adoption agency. And so we bring in somebody else who gets adopted into the family of God. And we're just so uh, proud to be able to partake in that. And so we got a lot of people getting baptized uh, next week. And we're going to have another baptism service in the fall because we're going to need to. And so I'm just so happy about this. We're going to do communion next week. So come with your hearts prepared. Now the baptism service is going to be between the two services. So uh, a service at nine and right no nine thirty and 11. So 1030 is going to be the baptism. So whichever service you come to, um, just come early or just stay late, depending on which service that is, because we're going to sandwich the baptism in between there. And then we're going to show the stories of everybody getting baptized. It's a great service to bring somebody who's unchurched or somebody who's maybe been far from God for too long to come and see, because they'll see in somebody's story, they'll see themselves. And that's the most powerful thing is, is your story. And uh, who's going to argue about your story and what's happened to you, about things that your eyes have seen and things that God has done for you. And so it's going to be uh, great today. Hey, for all the dads, we want to celebrate you today. We also recognize that it's a tough it's a tough day for some people if you didn't have a good relationship with your dad or if you've lost your dad. But hey, our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven is more than enough for you. Our Father in heaven can give you everything that you need. Uh, and we, hey, the great thing about being part of a great church family is that we got father figures here too. So you need like spiritual dads, but sometimes you need physical dads too. And we would love to, you can steal my dad if, if you need. I've had enough time with my dad. My dad's been, my dad is great. So happy Father's Day. Come on, Venue. Thanks, Sean. Sean, who's a great Venue dad. Great example to us about what fathering looks like. Father and girls, man, it takes courage. I have four daughters. It takes courage, everybody. I've had to dial my emotions up. But uh, today's going to be a sermon about called Church and Men, kind of specifically about like, why does, why does church, why does venue church have to be a church that men want to go to, too? Because y'all women would go to church no matter what we did here. And uh, you just would. I don't know. You have an easier time connecting, I think, maybe with uh, God and with people than, than men do. But why does venue church, why is it so important because people come here and they're like, you have a lot of men engaged in the gospel here. How, how do you do that? Well, I'll show you some of what we do to do that. But I think that God doesn't want just his daughters involved. Um, that's like shooting fish in a barrel because you all would come anyways. But there's this thing where the sons of God have to rise up and, uh, and help build God's kingdom. And so that's, you want to know why uh, we need to be a church that men like to go to? Because here's a stat for you. 96% of the time if a man comes in, his family will come in too. 96% of the time. That's incredible. If anybody else in the family gets saved or brought in, the percentage is like 15 and under. But there's something about that that the devil fights against because he wants that 96% on his side. But God wants it on his side when the sons of God come in and take their place in the body of Christ and serve. And man, I want to honor my dad in front of you today because my dad taught me a few things about uh, God, I think that your, your relationship with your earthly dad, if, if you had a good one with a good dad, it's easy 
to relate to God, your heavenly father, because it's the nearest thing to the relationship with God on earth is that relationship. Now, the good news is if you didn't have everything that you, you wish that you did, that you can still learn how to relate to, to God, your heavenly father. But my dad taught me some things, you know, first of all, my mom taught me, Hey son, when you go and you connect with your father, here's how you do it. She said to me, you don't go and connect with dad any old way you want to. She said, you're impatient and I get it because I'm impatient. But if you need something from your father on earth, she said to me, your dad is very project oriented. Now this is not every guy, but every guy in some regard, I think has this because, because there's seeds of God, your heavenly father in every man, whether you've, whether you've done a great job as a dad or not, there's still a seed of God in there. There's still something of God, your father in you. And we need to find that thing in you and we need to lift that up. And, and so she said, son, if you need something from your dad, he's very, don't interrupt him in the middle of a project because his projects feed us. And he, and he's, he was a pastor most of my life. She, he, what he does matters, not just to him, but to me and to you and to God. And so God put him on this earth to do things. And so you shouldn't interrupt him when he's in the middle of those things. So this is what she taught me to do. This was so wise. I've been doing it ever since. And people, if you want to talk to me, this is a great way to talk to me. And most dads, I think she said, go to him and say, Hey dad, when you have a minute, can you come over and explain this to me or help me or. And she said in like a half an hour or less, he'll come over and then you'll have all of him. Right. And that's good. That's one thing I love about my dad because he was like all there, but when he's all in a project, he's all there too. And so I learned, you don't come to my, your father, earthly father, any old way that you want to, you have to come in some regard on his terms. If you need something, I learned that about my heavenly father from what my mom taught me. You don't come to God, your heavenly father and like, come on, homie. Whoa. God's like, we ain't homies. There's too much going on today. Now I think with young dads, you know, you want to be your kid's best friend. You want a best friend who's five. <laughs> you know, you're called first to be their dad. And my dad was dad first. Now we're friends. Now, now, now we get that. It's not like we weren't friends and weren't buddies, but he's like, no, no, I need to be your dad first. I'm here to teach you some things that dads need to teach their sons. Dad needs to teach their, their kids. And he taught me some things. Here's some of the things that dad taught me who cares what people think if God thinks that you did a good job who cares what anybody else thinks son if, if God thinks that way about you and, and you did a good job and you obeyed Christ then it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks what a foundation for a son to walk out into the world with you know my dad taught me how the world works he taught me my place in it I find that with my teenage girls right now, I'm finding more and more as they get older, I'm more and more teaching them their place in it. Here's how you respond to your boss. Here's where you, here's what you, it's where they need help in. And I find that as a dad, I have this unique perspective of how all of that works. And I'll explain why just in a second here. My dad also taught me some things about God, my heavenly father, that, that, you know, well, here's one thing he taught me because we were always told like, Hey, if you're coming down with sickness or you're sick, the Bible says, call for the elders of the church and let them pray over you. And God will, you know, heal you and raise you up. And why? Cause he can. And so, and so I had elders of the church in my home because they were my pastors and you're like, wouldn't that be amazing? I'm like, most of the time, <laughs> guess who had to be the best kid in Sunday school? <laughs> this guy, guess who wasn't this guy. I said, dad, can you pray for me? I feel like I'm coming down 
with a cold. You know what he said to me that time? He said, were you the kid that was running around outside of our house? Hey, Mom, I feel like, I feel like it was this kid. You run around outside of the house. I feel like it was you. I'm pretty sure it was you. It was definitely you. Run around outside the house yesterday without a coat on. Then he said, I am praying for you. <laughs> Click. You know what? He knew, he knew you can't build society on stupid. And I'll tell you, some of y'all, you know, you're, you're praying. You're clapping for that because you know what I'm talking about. You know some people. Sometimes they just, you know, you just miss that from your dad who's just like, boy, put your dang jacket on. Why would God heal you so that you go out and get sick again because you're still not wearing your jacket? There's something about you can't build something with stupid. No, this is your part and then God can do his part. But if you won't do your part, then God can't do his. That's how fathers think. No, you got to do your part. Um, he also taught me something about COVID. Can I, can I, he said, son, at the very beginning of all this, it set my mind straight. I still need my dad. He said, my mind, and I'll share him with you. Look, we've had lots of time together. So if you need to borrow my dad, borrow him. He's retired. He's driving mom crazy. So he needs projects and you could be his little project. Cause you're probably a mess. You don't mind. He needs, he likes fixing things. And so what he said to me once, he said, at the beginning of all this, he said, son, how old do I have to be before I'm allowed to get sick and die? Like, what would I have to do for society until that was allowed? Click. He knew you can't build society with fear and he knew you couldn't do it by taking risk out of it. And then he said, it was always about jackets, these two things. He said, are you going to follow me around all winter and make sure I wear my jacket? You put cameras outside of my house and make sure I do it. I'm like, no, sir. The right answer. It settled me in my mind and in my heart about something. Part of the reason that we led venue in the, in the fearless way that we did was because I think you can combat sickness without fear a lot better than you can combat it with fear. I think, I think if you enter a battle scared, you're not going to win it no matter what happens. And I don't think God was afraid. And so I don't, is there, there's that fearless aspect of God. Um, listen, men put what we are into what we build. It's not just Lego to your boys. It's not just Lego, it's who we are. And our sisters destroyed it and we have to destroy them because they destroyed who we are. We put what we are into what we build, it matters to us. Now it's difficult for us in our families, it's much more difficult at home than it is out in the work world because we can see in the work world that we get stuff done. Right? And then we come home and, and we spend our time with a two-year-old? Like, that's difficult for us because we can't see that two-year-old getting much better from day to day. You know, sometimes they get worse after you spend time with them. And we come home and, and, then, and then we, like, have all these marriage problems. And working on marriage problems is very difficult for a guy because we're like, we thought we figured it out. Like, I bring... I bring flowers to Erin one day and she's like, oh my goodness, my husband is the greatest. I'm like, I am. I figured it out. And then I bring her the same flowers next week. It's not magical anymore, but it was magical. I figured it out. That was a formula. The flowers from that store with the types of flowers. Well, I feel bad you spending that kind of money. I'd just be, be just as happy with flowers from this other store. Then why didn't you say that before? 
But then next week it's like, well, I wish you'd spend more on, no, she's not super fussy like that, but come on. The things, the rules keep changing on us. It's not our, like we're doing our best here, but we're just not dealing with a lot of intelligence. No, I shouldn't be ragging on men. I shouldn't be ragging on men right now. Church, church of men. Why does venue church have to be a church that men want to go to? If you want to know an insight into your, into the, the men in your life, look at what we build. Look at our office, look at our garage, look at our product. Look at what we put, what we are into that. Now we want to put what we are into our families, but it's a little trickier for us. And so, so it's easy for us to get buried in work because we can see things being accomplished. And so sometimes you have to point us to be like, Hey, because you taught our kid that thing they're doing better. And we're like, Oh, it works. Okay. It, well, you can help us out a little bit because we need to see things, things working. Um, now here's, here's a little something. Here's a little something. Um, your purpose in this life, this is what we say at Venue Church, your purpose is to do two things, connect with God and connect with people. But then we say, you'll never find your purpose connecting with God and connecting with people. You'll never find your purpose until you help somebody else find their purpose, which is to connect with God and connect with people. Meaning, meaning connection, because it's, it's different, it's different for guys. Connection, you have to Build connection in somebody else before it will happen in you. So the whole purpose of you is not just for you to connect with God and connect with people and just die happy and whatever. Health is for, and get all healthy. Health is for helping. Meaning, everything we do has to revolve around building. Think about this. Hey, we're going to go into a new church building over there. We're going to be building. We're going to be building. Listen, and men put what we are into what we build. So get your men over there and building. Even men who don't go to church, their heart will start to go there because they build there. I wish my husband was more involved in church. Then get him involved in the building project. Get him involved with other men because we... Now, I was talking to Pastor Erin about this and she said, girls connect, tend to connect. You know, it's not all the time, but girls tend to connect and then build. Right? I coached uh, girls volleyball one time. That was a psychological lesson before I had four daughters. Because when they're connected and feeling good and all loving each other, they played way outside of their own ability to play. But when they started getting at each other, and I'd only ever played sports with guys up until that point, because like it was, I don't want to say segregated, but it was like guys sports and girls sports. That's just how it was back then. But, but I didn't realize the difference because guys, you can like be like, pass me the ball. And they don't like shrivel up and die and then get angry. They're like, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's on me. Right. And so see girls connect, then build guys connect. You ready? While we build, we connect while we build, we need building to connect. So Vineyard Church has to be a church that is building something. Because some churches don't. They're just not really building anything. They're coming together. They have a good time. But are they really trying to build something? No, we have to have something great to build. Because people come here and they're like, how do you get so many men engaged in the gospel? Well, because we're building something. We are building. We are built to build something. The sons of God, that's what we do. Now, um... On the playground, I was thinking about this, you know, because there are differences, right? 
So we need the daughters, but we also need the sons. But I was asking, you know, Pastor Aaron, when girls start playing with each other on a playground, how do they, how do they interact? What are they looking for, I guess? And she said, uh, she said, I got to get this right. Girls are trying to find their group. Is that like true? Like girls, you're looking for like your group, your people, right? Your, and I'm like a, a support group. She's like, yeah, kind of, you know, there's this idea of like chairs in a circle, like, Hey, equal love and whatever, you know what I mean? Like acceptance and everybody's getting along that sort of thing. I don't know. Cause I, I didn't grow up like that. So I'll show you what, see, that's more of an idea kind of in a, a democracy is this like kind of equal sharing and stuff. So that kind of makes sense there. But see, I think guys might be a little more, and this is a good thing because the, the kingdom of God is a kingdom. And so I was thinking about this and I think guys, you would find this true is that when boys go on the playground and they first start interacting, yeah, we want our group, but not like that. We're looking for, are you ready? Cascading structure. Think about that. Think about that. I want to know boys understand. I want to find my place in the structure, but when I walk into a room, I want to know who's in charge. I want to know what the bank, like, so who's in charge? If this person doesn't work out for me, who I talk to, who gets to do what to who, what hat we're playing baseball, what hat who's wearing what, who's playing where we play paintball with the, some of the venue guys yesterday and my body is only starting to recover. Apparently I'm getting older. Did you guys know that Scott, that guy who went for the, cause you, they all, everybody looks the same. He went for that, that thing and then fall, fell off a, you know, 47 tires, fell off right on his back. And then all of our team shot him up. That's how men connect. I feel more connected to him because I shot him. Something from, from this is connecting with him real fast. I got hit with a sniper gun by that kid right there. He bought this, like, he got this thing, this gun that's like, you know, our guns have uh, like 3,000 pounds of pressure. His had like 47,000 pounds of pressure. And he got me over, I don't even know how he got me, but I was like, oh, oh, that shouldn't hurt as much as it does, but and we feel more connected to each other. We're looking for, see, we don't care who's in charge as long as we're able to move into, into win. And in fact, I came up with a plan one time and then we all got shot to pieces. And then I came back and I'm like, Oh my goodness, that was a terrible plan. You know what? We forgot to shoot our guns. <laughs> so that's on me. We tried to get the flag without shooting guns. I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to do now. Like eight guys just shoot a bunch of guns at them. And we're just going to send. And would you, and that's probably when we destroyed Scott. I don't know. Anyways, we connect differently. We connect when we build, we connect when we're working together. That's maybe the way that we do that. We do connect now. Now, how do, how do girls pick, you know, baseball teams? I was asking Pastor Aaron about this. Like, how do you pick a baseball team? She said, is this, is this true, girls? She said, well, you, you get your friends on the team. So how do boys pick teams? I'm like, yeah, you, you, you put your friends on the team if they're good at baseball. <laughs> right, but if baseball is not their jam, you don't really want them on your team, do you? Like, look, I love you, but I think you'd be better on their team. You know, you see a guy at paintball, like struggling to get his gun loaded and you're like, yeah, you'd maybe be better on the other team. Like your safety been on the whole game. Yeah. I'd maybe rather that you were on the other team because I don't want to get a shot. We'll connect after, you know, it's just, it's, it's a little bit different. And, uh, it's just different because 
that cascading structure. See, God made men to build. It's not like girls don't build, but God made men specifically to build things. It's sons. Like, hey, this is the family business. Like, let's, this is how we step up our game. We're trying to build a kingdom here. Jesus is trying to build a kingdom and a movement. And he's been trying to find in Israel the, the people who could help him build. But Israel itself as a nation is not building. So their mindset isn't a building mindset. He has to find somebody outside of the nation of Israel. You're going to find this story here. It was shocking to Israel what he said to this man when he did. And, and you're going to see... How, what Jesus is looking for. Because why? Because he is a son of his father and he knew how his father built. And if you don't have that cascading structure, like I, I grew up on job sites. You need a cascading structure or nothing gets done or you can only do it on a very small scale. But if you get bigger than that, you need to have a cascading structure. Like here's how you fit. Here's how I fit. Here's what I do. Here's what you do. It's teamwork to the nth degree, but it just looks different. You know, um, when I was a kid, we would pick baseball teams. Like every recess and lunch hour, we would pick baseball teams. Well, how did that work, you know? Well, well, there was two alpha males, and they would always pick two farm kids, and they would always pick teams. And then just about every day, at least some point in playing baseball, there would be a tie at first base, you know? And then, and then Rodney and Jason, they were the two guys. They'd just start going at it. Like, he's safe. He's out. They would just, they'd be fighting. And everybody else would just put their gloves and wait until they sorted it out. Everybody didn't get involved because it was, I hate to say this ladies, it was a very complex social structure. <laughs> and um, I was Jason's lieutenant. Most of the time we would just wait until they sorted it out and then it'd be like safe, okay. And then we'd go back to playing and everybody would just be hanging out. And you know, and I, Jason every now and again, he'd get upset and he'd throw his ball glove down on the ground and stomp off the field probably when he was losing an argument. And, um, and I was his lieutenant, and so I'd, I'd go and pick up his ball glove, and I'd be like, hey, guys, good game. See you next recess. <laughs> then I'd go back there, you know, and then, but we connected through that. Then we'd come back in the next re recess or whatever, and we're as connected as we were before. And it's not this weird psychological warfare like I got going on in my home with four teenage girls. They got memories, everybody. They remember stuff. You know, for us, it's just like, and we're done. You know, and we're good, you know, and then we're playing because you can't, you know, fight with somebody who might be on your team next time, depending on if they play baseball well. It's different. It's different. Um, you know, we, we ride, we ride motorcycles and we connect. I feel like we're connecting when we ride motorcycles because you ride in formation, right? And somebody leads one time and then another person. We don't care who's leading as long as somebody's. And listen, I, I don't think that we care that it's men leading nearly as much as society puts on us. I don't, we don't care just as long as. We have lots of women leaders at Venue Church. We don't care if you're a guy or a girl. Just lead. Like, are you, do you know where you're going? That's good. We're good. We just need movement. We just need to... We don't care who does what. Like, just... So, I was thinking about, about Venue Church. You know, what would it need to look like? Well, first of all, can I just back up and just say, I love this stage of my life because I'm connecting with my teenage girls. And you know the best place for me to connect is doing church work. When we're just working together in God's church and we're, it's my favorite place to connect with them and it's working and it's during working. I don't, we do this sometimes and I have to, and I get to, I used to have the 15 minute emotional cry fest with Ailish. I wasn't crying. She was doing most of the crying. I would put my arm around her and I had to learn this. And I talked about it in the last service. I had to learn how to do this. Finally, the Holy spirit said, quit trying to rush it. It's going to take 15 minutes out of your life. Think about something else. I don't know if the Holy Spirit said that, but that's what I took it. So I would just put my arm around her and I'd be like, 
because I would try to rush it, and she wasn't done crying. So I was like, I'd be like, I, I can't understand you. I need you to just, I guess, cry and just get it all out so that I can understand the words that are coming out of your mouth because I don't understand cry talking. And I'm trying to figure it out, and she's still crying. I'm like, no, that hasn't happened in a few years. I put my time in, though. I dialed my emotions way up. But you know how it helps me just put my arm around her and just be like, okay, 15 minutes. Is this help me? Come on, that's gold for somebody out there. 15 minutes, and then I would just, I would feel like something happened after 15 minutes because I got my sermon a little further ahead. And then she'd be done crying, and I'd be back. And we'd sort it out, and we'd walk through the issue, and we'd, come on, everybody, I need some sort of love for having four daughters. I came from a family with just a brother, man. This is all new. I didn't know how they think. Weird, twisted stuff in their brains. <laughs> Our family was very simple. There's so much I could say about that. Listen, a three-hour emotional conversation for your man, they don't come out of that feeling fulfilled and connected. I had guys in the first service who were like, preach. They're like, I could see them like, preach. Sitting beside their wives like, a three-hour emotionally connected whatever where there's a lot of crying and emotions and stuff that is scary to us we come out of that scared and we're like well, I feel I think we're still together and you come out all like oh I've never felt more loved and we come out just like oh kill me now like if I have to do another one of those I don't at least do it when we're working on something in the garage because then we'll be like what'd you do for three hours yesterday you know Scott will come by like what happened for three hours and I'm like I fixed that spindle in the garage. It took three hours. Did anything else happen? Nope. Aaron's happy, man. Just don't, don't mess it up. I don't know. <laughs> it's why? Because we connect while we work and, and, and it's just, it's different. And when you understand that about us, it'll help you connect more with us. So some young wives, I want you to get more in, invested in your husband's career. Cause it's not just career. He pours who he is in there. It matters that much to him. That's how God made him to think. And, and your boys, that's how God made us to think. Now, what would Venue Church need to look like? Well, first of all, Venue Church needs to be a church on mission. Because we need mission. God is a God of mission. And so, then, we, then men need to, you know, we need to know why. Why are we doing this? Are we just doing this just to have church? Well, we say this every single week. And if you don't know this by now, maybe you're in the wrong place. But some churches you'd walk in there and they wouldn't be able to tell you why. You'd ask 50 people and you'd get 50 different answers. Why does your church exist? Our church exists for one reason. A life saved is worth everything. That's it. Everything we do revolves around Jesus saving one life. Everything. And then men want to know the next question. How much? My wife can walk into a lighting store and she'll be like, I like that one. And I'm like, I don't like it. How much? And if it's cheap, then I like it. I don't decide I like it until I know. She decides she likes it before. And that's what gets us into all this trouble. I make her sound like she's super fancy. She's not. She's, she's great. 20 bucks at the thrift store and she's happy all, all week. No, but it's this idea of like, how much will it cost? Well, we just told you everything. If it costs you everything, that's why like when God asks the, his children to like, hey, give a 10th back to the house of God, to your local church. When a man gets his, into his heart, he's like, okay, why? Because a life saved is worth everything. Ask us to sacrifice. Hey, man, when we came out of the world, we gave a lot more than 10% away and got nothing for it. What, 10% in the house of God? And God's like, and I'll guarantee your investment. And, and hey, we're, gonna, we're doing a cash call for like equipment in there. And, 
And man, put your money there and your heart will follow into the house of God. And then God will... Just give me a minute. Now, the next thing men want to know is, you ready? When I walk into a room, I'm looking to see who's in charge. Well, some churches are run like democracies, but not like kingdom. So when Paul set up the first church, I don't think it's very biblical to run a church like a democracy because it's, how did it work during COVID? (laughs) Everybody on Facebook freaking out about everything. What we needed was godly leadership who could be like, you need dad to walk into the room sometimes and be like, calm down, everybody. Oh my goodness. I'll come back when you calm down. Get off of social and quit watching the news. Like, do you think God was scared of COVID? No, come on. We can do we can do better. Okay. We need to know who's in charge. We need to know, is there a structure? You have a plan. Who's in charge? Okay. Meaning I hated job sites that have more than one vision and everybody vying for power. Man, just somebody be in charge and just make a decision and let's go. And, and movement is what we need too. We need to see that things are working and that we're on mission and that we're moving forward. You know, um, listen, listen, um, the reason that we're in our new organization, when we started the church in a different organization, and I love them, and they're full of great people, but when they're branching off into the Canadian bunch, we went there with some of uh, our women leaders. I, I took them up to Edmonton, and we went there, and, I, and I'm like, okay, so what is this group going to do? What are we doing in Canada? And there, it started to be this, like, well, what do you want us to do? It was like, look, I'm here for you to tell us what to do. Like, what are we doing as a church group? You know? And then I finally said... Who's in charge? They're like, does anybody need to be in charge really? And I'm like, yes. If you want to do anything, somebody's name has got to be in a box somewhere so that we can look at you and be like, why didn't that thing get done, Dale? We're here to do something. We're here to build something. And uh, that's why we're in this. I think a typical board run church that we find in Canada, first of all, I don't think it's very biblical. And I'll just say that like search the scriptures and you tell me, I think it's more traditional where they hire a pastor to come in, but they're not really looking for a leader because the leader messes up everybody's day all the time. They're like, why are we doing that? That doesn't work anymore. And so every three years or so they'll hire a new one, but they're not really looking for a leader because the same power brokers still do that, but they're not allowed to, the leader's not allowed to come in and lead anything and structure in a cascading structure where it's like team leads names in a box. Here's what we're going to do. Here's why it matters. Cause the life saved is worth everything. This is why we got to sweat the music. This is why we sweat the, this is why we do small groups. It's just why, because God is supposed to lead us. It's supposed to be his kingdom here. I mean, we all just follow orders. When you do that, you get movement, you get success. You get your church gets better too. Now, Jesus is trying to build a movement. But movements require structure, but he's not having much luck in Israel. So he finds a little help and an example to the Israelis from a Roman man, which would have really not been pleasant for the Israelis, I think, at the time. But listen, at that time, the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. A highly valued slave of a centurion. So a man had... had, uh, Complete control of a hundred men, plus all the support staff, okay? So that's like hundreds of people now and their families. So this is an influential guy in this city. And he has a highly valued slave. And you got to understand, the Romans were a wicked culture, um, full of all sorts of crazy stuff that we see coming out in our culture now. Everybody thinks now like we're getting liberated by being immoral, Like, guys, this has happened so many times in human history, if you'll read it. And then we always swing back into moral because it doesn't work. 
So the Roman had a corrupt society, but they knew how to build things. But they knew how to build an empire. I mean, I'm not saying it was great how they did it, but they knew how. And this guy finds himself in a tricky place because he honors God, but he's working in a corrupt system. But it, well, just watch. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to come to him and heal his slave. Watch what he does. He has this inherent understanding, and he learned this on the playground. He's like, Jesus, power. Like, where did this guy get this from? And he's like, I need an intro to Jesus. But he's like, I can come in like the centurion, like I'm in charge of town, which he was. He goes, I can come in and try to come over. But he's like, that's not going to work because there's something in him that's greater. And so what he does is he goes to the Jews and he's like, would you guys, gentlemen, would you please go over here? I need an introduction. He comes, ready? On Jesus' terms. Why? Because Jesus was using the power of his Father in heaven through the Holy Spirit on heaven's terms. And the center, he just knew his way through this. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they said, for he loves the Jewish people and even built a, a church, a synagogue for us. You don't know that when you build that church building over there, that one day you're going to have somebody sick and dying spiritually. And you don't know that your gift over there will make an introduction over here. You don't know that yet. But it, it, his did. So Jesus went with them. He's like, okay. He loves the people of God. He loves, he loves my people. I'll go. He went with them. But just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, this is so interesting to me. Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home for I'm not worthy of such an honor. He's not being, listen, he's not being falsely humble. He's not being falsely humble. He'd have had the best house in town. He's saying, there's something about you that I don't want, I don't, I don't even think you're worthy to come into my house. Like this, it's not great enough for you. I just want to do it on your terms. He's saying, you do whatever you need to do. I'm just going to facilitate this in a way that works for you. I don't want to impose more on your time. This is what he says. Don't inconvenience yourself. He said, I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. He goes, I got thinking about that, but maybe that would put you in a weird place because people expect me to be in charge, but when I'm with you, I'm not going to be. And maybe it would make things awkward for your Jewish people that you would meet a Roman. I, I don't want to do that to you. He's like, just, hey, we're just going to do this on however it works for you. And he said, just say the word and my servant will be healed. You don't have to come here. I know you can do it from wherever you are. Some of you come in bogged down with problems and problems with kids and money and marriage and, and friendships. And you don't know yet that Jesus can do it from wherever he is. If you get there on his terms, it's not that the power is lacking. And this is what he said. I know this because I am. You ready? Three words. I want you to go home with. I know this because I am under. I am under. I know you can do anything because I know power when I see it. And I am under, I am under the power of Rome. And I know what Rome can do, but I need what you can do because we can't touch that. I know this, I know that you can do anything because I am under, I am under these guys, the, the, I am under the authority of my superior officers. When you come under in the way God wants you, he's like, I don't feel inferior because of that. Because I have superiors, I don't feel inferior at all. Girls, we learned it on the playground. 
who cares who does what if we win the game? I don't feel inferior if we win the game because somebody else hit the, right? And he said, I have, and I, because I'm under, I have authority over. He's like, I know my place in it. I'm not fighting about it anymore. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. He's not bragging about being in charge. What he's saying to Jesus is if you say go, I'll go. And if you say come, I'll come. And if you say do this, then I'll do that. Because I'm not the master here, you are. Anything you need, because I have you, need, you have something I need. I'm going to ask you for it, but I'm willing to do anything. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. The officer's friend returns to his house and his servant has been healed. What does this have to do with faith? Here's the word I didn't say at the beginning. I said cascading structure. Here's what he understood. This is how, this is the thermometer into how much faith you have. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith gets you what you need. Faith is the basis of salvation. There's only one conversation this man has had with Jesus. And he has much faith because he has come under authority. Authority is not a dirty word. Authority is the path to salvation. Authority is faith. Your understanding of faith gets you the result that you want. Not going over, but coming under. He's like, I am under. That's how I know you can do anything because I am under. It's no problem for me to, you think you work where you work because you're earning a paycheck? You are working so that you have a place to come under. You think that you're in a small group? So you are there because you can come under. Because when you come under, see, you spend all your time and your friends spend all their time trying to get over mountains and then you enable them to struggle even harder coming over the mountains, but the mountain is not the problem. You need to teach them to come under. And when you come under the authority of Christ, under the authority of heaven, then the mountain is no problem and says, if you have enough faith, you can say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. How do you get faith? By coming under. So the mountain that you have in your life is not the problem. It never was the problem. The problem is that you are not under. And when you get under, and listen, talk to a boy who learned this on the playground if you need to. When you come under, you get their gift too. There's a valley of dry bones. That they can spend their entire lives as a valley of dry bones that we're going to sing about. Trying to connect and trying to, get, trying to climb a mountain, trying to get out of the valley, trying to... When they came under the word of the Lord that God spoke to them and they came under the anointing of heaven, that's when the resurrection happened. 